Well, everyone has a desire to belong. Everyone has a desire to fit in, to uh, feel like they're included. But often, what happens by the relationships that we choose or by the events from our past is that we often see a bright, flashy sign that says, you don't belong. It was 1989, and I had just graduated from high school in Anderson, and uh, I didn't have much to do that summer between then and going to college, and I worked at the American Playground Factory in Anderson. And every day after uh, work, I would go and participate in one of the five most popular religions uh, in the world, the game of golf. And during that summer, I improved my golf game more than any other time uh, in my life. And I became pretty good, and you know, being 18, I was a little bit arrogant, and I let all my friends know how good I was. And so they came to me one day and they said, well, you've never played this particular course, which is the toughest one in Madison County. Let's see how good you are with this. And I'll never forget driving up this windy road with trees on both sides, with the dew air in my nostrils, ready to kill them in this uh, game of golf. And as we got out of the car, I noticed that there were five of us all together. And that any golfing etiquette would tell you that there can only be four players on a hole uh, at one time. And... So I kind of shared that with my friends and I shared my concern and said, you know, I think what we should do is we should have one group of three people and then a second group of two people. And they didn't look very happy and they looked at me and said this, we play by our own etiquette, pretty boy. All of us are playing together. And so all five of us went up to the clubhouse getting ready to play. Now, when we walked uh, up there, uh, there was this big sign, and uh, it read this, No t-shirts allowed, only shirts with a collar. Now, I looked around at this group of five people. There was only one who had a collared shirt. Do you know who it was? Pretty boy. The rest of them all had t-shirts on. And so I went up and I signed my name and the guy was kind of busy so he didn't ask and I just wrote down three more names even though we had four and uh, went back outside. We get up to the first tee and we're getting ready to tee off and I looked and uh, there was a sign on the tee station and it said, foursomes only, do not leave the path. Now how many did I say that were in our group? Five. Yeah. And so now we're up here. All five of us are ready to play. Things got worse. Two out of the other four guys did not bring clubs. They both were mooching off of me and the other three all summer. And they refused to buy rental clubs. And so we walked up, pretty boy and the four t-shirt musketeers, and we got ready to play. 
I looked on the scorecard after I hit, and it said this, every player must have their own clubs. A third sign that says, we don't belong here. Also, two of the guys had never played before. On the very first hole, it took us 30 minutes to play the hole. Usually it takes 15. They were taking big divots out of their freshly fairway all over the place. Well, as you can guess, by the time that we got to the third hole, that, uh, or, or when we got to the second hole, we were in trouble. I looked and there was another sign. And this sign said this, No slow play, let faster players play through. Another sign that showed us we don't belong. Well, as you can guess, by the time we got to the third hole, the whole course was in upheaval. We had slowed down everyone. Everyone was mad. Golf balls were flying everywhere. Fairway, you know, green, everything was gone. And no one was staying on the cart. And every single time out of our group, you would hear this word. Four! Which means, move out of the way. I don't know how to play and my ball might kill you. Okay? Finally, we get to the fourth hole and there is the golf ranger with his hands crossed like this as we get ready to hit off. And he said, boys, you don't belong here. It's time for you to leave. If you don't leave, I'm calling the police. That was the last sign that we needed and we took off. Well, you know, there are signs all around us I just noticed I had Jordan's pumpkin socks. Sorry about that. That's a sign if you didn't know. There are signs all around us. And typically, many of these signs say, you don't belong, you're not welcomed, you are not invited. In fact, One of these signs, I guarantee every single person here has seen before. It's in convenience stores. And the words say this, No shirt, no shoes, no service. You know that. There's another popular sign. It'll come up on the board. It says, No trespassing. Right? And we see that sign a lot. I saw an interesting sign a little while back in which it said, Please stay off the lawn. And then underneath it was a second sign that said this, and here it is. This property is protected by a pit bull with AIDS. I have a feeling they don't have an issue with someone walking on their lawn. Now these are all visible signs that remind us that we don't belong. But often the ones that hurt us the most and cause the most pain are not visible signs, but invisible signs that remind us we don't belong. Signs like, you don't belong because you're too poor. Or, you don't belong because you're too rich. You don't belong because you're too skinny or you're overweight. You don't belong because you're black or you're white or you're Hispanic or you're biracial. Signs like, You don't belong because of your family and your friends or your kids. You don't belong because of the kind of house that you live in or the type of car that you drive. 
You don't belong because of your lack of education or because you're too highly educated. And finally, you don't belong because of some past failure or mistake in your life. And these invisible signs hit us every day from other people who we are reminded that we really don't belong. We've all experienced these kind of visible and invisible signs. We don't belong. But God has a different sign. He's had a different type of sign since He created planet Earth. And the sign says this, You belong. And you belong. And you belong. No ifs, no ands, no buts about it. You belong to Me. In fact, the Bible says this, My dear dear children, you come from God, and you what? Belong to God. Long before He laid down the earth's foundation, He had you in mind, and He settled on you as the focus of His love. God made you to love you. You are the focus of of His love. You're the masterpiece of His creation. You are the most important thing that God has ever created on planet earth. And He says, you belong. I mean, even before God thought of the universe and He put it all together, He had you on His mind as the focus of His love. He loves you very much. You are the most special part of the created order. And He wants you to know today, more than anything else, you belong. You really belong. Now, ultimately, this idea of belonging hit its pinnacle when God came to earth. When God said, I'm sending my one and only Son to planet earth, God of, uh, very God, flesh of God, revealed to the world. And when Jesus arrived, folks, nobody had seen the type of love that Jesus displayed. Nobody had ever loved like Jesus loved. He set a new standard of how we are to handle our relationships. And He said it all hinged on the power of love. And He loved the world in such a way that people have never forgotten it for over 2,000 years, the type of love that He demonstrated. And in the same light, no one has ever walked planet earth like Jesus to love the way that He loves. Now, for the remainder of our time, what I'd like to do is share with you three signs from Jesus to you. There are three giant signs of the Christian faith. There are only three, and they're real easy to remember. So here's the first one. The first sign that Jesus gave to us that is a part of the Christian community is everybody's welcome. Everybody's welcome. He doesn't care who you are. You're welcome. You know, the staggering word that is on this sign is that word, everybody. Everybody. Jesus welcomed and loved and embraced and accepted anybody and everybody that would come to Him. It didn't matter if you were a prostitute or an IRS agent or a leper or a oppressor or a sinner or a rich person or a poor person. They could all come to Him and He would welcome them. 
Now, this outrageous and scandalous type of love and acceptance that Jesus brought to planet Earth ticked off the religious leaders of his day. It upset all the pastors and those spiritual elites. That's why they said this about him. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Now, folks, that's not intended to be a compliment. That was a jab to the rest of the world, and especially to Jesus. You see, in Jesus' day, if you were a teacher like him, which is called a rabbi, but if you were a religious teacher, the key was that you only hung out with other people just like you. You didn't hang out with people who were on the margins of society. You didn't hang out with the crisp bunches. You didn't hang out with people like you. You were lower class. You weren't smart enough, intelligent enough. And I don't care if you were a doctor, a dentist, or whatever. If you spiritually didn't know 613 rules and lived by it, you weren't a part of that group. But when Jesus arrived, He like turned things upside down. He talked to everybody and said, everybody's welcome. Everybody belongs. In fact, what Jesus did was, have you guys ever seen those sign guys uh, that are like at the end of dominoes? And they have a sign and they're going like this and they whip it around like that, you know, and they really know how to do it. Anyone ever see that before? You're acting like you haven't seen that before. (laughs) Did I just look like an idiot doing this sign? Okay. And what Jesus did was, when He came to planet Earth, it was like He was one of those sign guys at the end of Domino's, but He wasn't selling pizza, folks. He was selling radical acceptance. And He put a a little, you know, a rope around His neck, and He just walked around constantly saying, everybody's welcome. Who are you? Oh, I don't care. Come on, you're welcome. You're welcome in this place. You're welcome with me. Everybody's welcome. He had a message that said, come as you are. You know, every once in a while you go to a store and there's a particular section and it says, as is. It means some of those, da- those items may be damaged. They may be, uh, you know, messed up in some way. A zipper that won't zip, a button that won't button, something like that. And on all of those, there's a tag. And what does it say? As is. You take it as is. There might be a stain that won't come out. Whatever, you take it as is. And Jesus said, that's the kind of person I am. I take people as is. Come with your flaws, your failures, your mess-ups. I don't care. You just come because you are welcome. The Bible says this, Now is truly the time for a gracious welcome and acceptance of you from God. Friends, Jesus welcomes you today. He says you're accepted. You're welcome to come to this place. You come as is. I mean, if you've ever wondered in your life if there's anyone who would love you and welcome you no matter what, there is a person. And it's God's Son. His name's Jesus Christ. And He has this big sign that He carries around constantly saying, everybody's welcome. And He says, now is the time to come to Me. Not tomorrow, not next week, not on Christmas, not on Easter, not on next year, but now's the time. Now's the time to receive this welcome. Now's the time to know that you belong. 
And Jesus reaches out and says, you belong, and you belong, and you belong. Friends, the truth is, when Jesus comes, He comes with this sign that says everyone's welcome. And when you come to Jesus, He will always welcome you, no matter what. He loves you, He accepts you, He says you're a part of Me. And when we confess our sins to Him, and we seek His forgiveness, He always forgives. There's not a single thing that God would not forgive you for today. You just ask Him. He said it's done. No bringing up the past, no pointing fingers, no hoops that you have to jump through. He just says, you know what? Radical acceptance, radical forgiveness, radical love. Everybody's welcome. There's a second sign that Jesus gives, and it's a sign also of the Christian faith. And the sign reads this. Nobody's perfect. Isn't that good news? Nobody's perfect. I mean, aren't you glad that that is one of the signs of the Christian faith? Nobody's perfect. A couple of weeks ago, I had an early uh, morning breakfast dinner with some, or breakfast uh, with a person. And it was going to be at six in the morning. And so that night, I took up my shower, got all ready. And uh, what I do when I have to get up real early, I lay my clothes. Uh, at the end of our bed, we have one of those big wicker baskets that you like put, you know, uh, blankets and different things or, you know, pretty much if you don't want people to see how messy your room is, you just put it all in there. Yeah, you know you have one of those. Don't act all pious this morning. And so, you know, there's one of those and I lay everything out and uh, I want to be ready. And so the next morning, the alarm goes off at 530 and I I slam it as hard as I can because I don't want my wife Jennifer to kill me. And I go down to the end and I pick up my jeans and, you know, it's dark and I'm trying to be quiet. And I get ready to put them on and they're just tight. And I'm thinking, what is wrong? And I get them on and get them buttoned up. I'm thinking, man, what, what's going on? And I'm like, I don't have time. I was like, ah, you know, I had an old pair of jeans from the 90s. And, you know, everyone's got one pair of jeans that you keep for a long time. Why do you all act like you don't do this? <laughs> you know, the, that pair that you hope you'll fit back into, you know, at some point in your life. And so, you know, I think, I'm thinking, oh, I, I, that's the pair. It's at the bottom. So I go downstairs, brush my teeth, get all ready, head out for, uh, you know, breakfast. And have my breakfast uh, with this person and uh, have a meeting later on. And then at 11.15, I have to take off to go to physical therapy. Because when you're 37 and you still are able to run, you pull calves like I do. And so I've been going to physical therapy for the last six weeks. It really, you know, bites to uh, get old. Um, but it's a reality. And so, uh, you know, I go ahead, I get to physical therapy, I go to the men's locker room, and uh, I got my shorts and t-shirt to change into, and I look down, and not only is my stomach like sticking over the jeans way out, I look down, my jeans are short. They're like three to four inches short. And I'm thinking at that point, and this is a true statement, Jennifer has shrunk my jeans. And I'm mad and I'm upset that she would be so, you know, irresponsible 
to put my genes on the hot cycle and get them all messed up. So I take the genes off and I'm kind of upset at that point. And um, I, I look down at the tag and it says Lee Riders. And it's a very feminine kind of button. And I'm thinking to myself at that time, Chris, you don't have these genes. Those were Jennifer's genes. Well, after physical therapy, I didn't go put the genes back on, you know. I just kind of walked on out, hoping nobody saw me. And I went home and I changed and got my own jeans on. And I felt really embarrassed about all this. My imperfections had shown. And so I go to my sensitive wife and I go, Honey, you know, I really feel bad. Do you think anybody knows? I mean, I had high waters on, my stomach sticking out, you know, real tight here and loose there and, whoo, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And she was so uh, encouraging, you know, to me. She's like, oh, honey, no, I don't think anyone saw it at all. And then she said this, she said, but you know, you're going to have to change the radio commercial. And I'm thinking, what is she talking about? You know, I'm sharing my, my stuff. And at the end of the commercial, she said, well, you know, at the end of the commercial, it says, I'll be the guy up front wearing blue jeans. She said, now you have to change it. I'll be the guy up wearing women's jeans, you know. <laughs> Such encouragement, you know, such encouragement. Well, you know, all of us have done something in our lives in which we felt embarrassed about that has shown our imperfection. But more often than not, the greatest imperfections in our life are not the things like wearing jeans, but it's the things that we do or say or the way that we act. And we hurt God, and we hurt the people around us, and we sometimes hurt ourselves. You see, the one thing that is true about every single person in this room is that we've all flubbed up, messed up, and screwed up in life. And the Bible says this, For all have fallen short of the glory of God. Folks, there's not a single perfect person in this place. And if you're looking for the perfect church, this isn't it. But I guarantee you this, whatever church you do decide to go to that you think's perfect when you get there, it'll no longer be perfect. Because you're not perfect. In fact, just look at the person beside you. Go ahead, look at them for a second. They look like they have it all together, don't they? Guess what? They don't. They have done things, they have said things, they have thought things that would shock you. And the guy standing right here has done things and said things and thought things that would shock you as well. And we're often very good at pretending that we're perfect, that we have it all together. We run and we hide. And the world's rules tell us this, if they only knew that, if they saw this, if they knew what you did a few years ago, you would be alone. You would be condemned. There's a guy in the Bible by the name of Paul who wrote over half of the New Testament and was one of the closest followers of Jesus. And this is what he said. One day he was writing and he was kind of sharing the frustration, I think, that all of us feel 
in life sometimes. And he says these words, I don't understand myself at all, for I really want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do the very thing that I hate. I know perfectly well that what I'm doing is wrong, but I can't help myself. Folks, people naturally get this. You don't have to explain this to them. I mean, if you were to just take this verse of Scripture out on the street and you ask somebody, hey, why don't you go ahead and read this? And they'll go, dude, that's in the Bible? Like, that's my life. I mean, we all get this. We all realize that there's a moral code and we don't live up to it. I mean, stop and think about it. We can't even live up to our own moral code, let alone God's. And that's why God says, I know, nobody's perfect. I mean, have you ever said this before? I'll never do that again. Then a few days later, you do it. Or, I'll never say that. And then a few days later, you say it. Or you go, ooh, what they did, that is wrong. And then a couple days later, weeks, months, year, whatever, you find yourself doing the exact same thing. You know, before uh, Jordan came into our world, every time I'd smell a poopy diaper that was on a kid, I'd be like, oh my gosh, those parents are horrible. I mean, I can't believe that they would allow their child to stay in that. When I become a parent, I will never do that. This weekend, Jen had her parents over. We were celebrating a party, and we had a smell. There are three little kids all in diapers. I'm thinking, it's those kids, you know. (laughs) Guess whose kid it was? Mine. Jordan sometimes smells worse than any kid I know. I don't change it that fast. She leaves us little presents that she gives to us. You see, folks, the reality is none of us are consistent all the time. You're just not. And that's why we fear condemnation and judgment from God, because we're not consistent. But fear not, for God says this. The Bible says this, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. For the power of life-giving Spirit has freed you through Christ Jesus. I want you to know today, whatever your thoughts of God have been in the past, God is not a condemning God. He's a loving God. And He says, when you accept Me as Lord of your life, I no longer see the imperfections. They're still there. You still have them. But when Jesus becomes a part of your life, I see everything through His eyes. And when I look through His eyes and He says, they're my kids. They're a part of my family. He says, oh, okay. They're forgiven. They're loved. I understand. You know, the freedom that gives us that, that the Scripture talks about, is called grace. It's called grace. Now, there are many definitions of grace Many of them are very good. The one that I found to be most helpful, so that it's not confusing because it's a word we use a lot, you know, say grace. Good. But that's the word, okay? But we do that, you know, you'll be getting ready to pray sometimes. Somebody say, well, say grace. And everybody's freaking out like, oh gosh, who's going to do it? You know? And you always hope it's a little kid. But that's not 
grace. I mean, that is a word that we've used, but that's not grace. This is the best definition I've found. It's by Philip Yancey in his book, What's So Amazing About Grace. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more. It means all the things that you try to do to make God love you more. It, it just doesn't happen. But just as good as this. And there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. Some of you might want to cut that out, put it up somewhere, because it's probably the greatest words that you can remind yourself every single day. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more, and there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. That's good news, folks. So no matter how many times you flub up, mess up, screw up in life, God's grace says, I'll love you. Because His love for you is something you can't earn. You can't go up a ladder to get to God. He came down to us to say, I want you to be a part of my family. The Bible says that God is love, and His love for you is not dependent on you loving Him back. He says, I'm going to love you no matter what. If you want a relationship with me, that's great. He will always love you no matter what. Folks, nobody's perfect. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Some of us today are here, and we've kind of drifted from God. Others of us, we've just totally ignored God for a while. And God's saying today, that's okay. I still love you. I want you to be a part. Everybody's welcome. Nobody's perfect. We've all done things. We've all said things. We've all thought things that have hurt people around us and have hurt ourselves. But the good news is that we all stand level at the foot of the cross of Jesus and He looks down at us and He says, you know what? You're a part of me. I love you. All of us stand for a need for a Savior. And Jesus looks down with love in His eyes and He says, I love you. I love you. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. Everybody is welcome. Just turn to me. Well, there's one final sign that we have. And this is it. Anything's possible. Jesus says, and in a real way, the Christian faith says, anything's possible. One day, Jesus was with a group of folks, and this is what He said, For all things are possible with God. All things are possible with God. The key word in that passage, it's one that you might want to circle, is the word with. With God. All things are possible with God. In other words, Jesus is saying that the key to God working in your life is that you have a relationship with Him. God's not so much concerned about religious talk and religious rituals and religious jargon. He's not interested in religious rules. He's interested in a relationship. A relationship with you. And he says, when you have a relationship with me, anything's possible. David and Brooke Long have been attending the church for about two years. There's a picture of them, I think, uh, that'll come up here. And that's their daughter, Emma, that's in the middle. And over the past two years, they've grown a lot in their relationship with God. And uh, in a real way, they've tried to live a life that honors God and to serve the church of Jesus Christ called the Jar. 
And over this past year, there have been a lot of transitions that have happened in their life. They bought a brand new house, and so in the process of that, they had to sell their old house. Emma, who's in the middle, started kindergarten this year. And those of you who know, even if you're a strong kind of uh, male figure, the first time your child gets on the school bus to go to kindergarten, what do you do? You cry like a baby. So there's transition. And on, the, on July 21st, both Brooke and David invited into their life their little boy, Noah David. And there's a picture up uh, of him right there. Isn't he a cutie? And a couple weeks after Noah had been born, my wife Jennifer and I took a gift over to them because they're a part of our small group. We wanted to reach out to them. And it was interesting, as we were sitting in their living room, everyone was glowing and there was all this joy and this excitement of life. And uh, you could just tell that they were kind of living, like saying, you know what, isn't this great? Anything is possible with God. We have a new baby. We have a new home. We have a new joy in life. Now we're a family of four. But you know, sometimes the circumstances of life have a way of depleting your joy. And on October 10th, Noah woke up crying and uh, Brooke woke up as a young mom does and she went and checked on her and the crying was a little bit different this time. He just wasn't acting right. He wasn't eating the right way. He didn't eat anything that morning, in fact. And then he spiked a fever of 102. So like any young mom, she gets on the phone, she calls her doctor and the doctor says, well, I'm really concerned, don't bring him into the office, just go ahead and take him to the ER. And they got to the hospital and they quickly, quickly recognized that Noah was very ill and they wanted to test him for meningitis. This is an infection around the spinal cord. It requires a spinal tap to kind of diagnose it. And so at the emergency room, little Noah's back was poked five different times, but they couldn't get any spinal fluid because he was so sick and dehydrated. And so immediately, so that things wouldn't get worse because they saw the vital signs going down, they decided to lifeline him to Riley Hospital. And David and Brooke told me that when the helicopter landed and they couldn't go with him, they didn't know if they'd see their son on the other side. And they just started praying, God, we know anything's possible for you. Please spare the life of our son. In fact, when they arrived at Riley, the attending physician of the ICU, he said, I'm surprised he is not breathing on his own. Because most meningitis babies, when they come in, they're being bagged. You see, there's a 50% mortality rate for kids Noah's age at that young when they have meningitis. One out of two of them die. And at that point, David and Brooke really begin to start questioning, you know, is this God going to be with us? Is there anything that is possible? During this whole time, the church as well as David and Brooke's family and friends, just kept praying that God, you'd spare his life. And my prayer was, God, not only you would heal Noah, but that you would help David and Brooke to know 
that God is with them. The first days at Riley were kind of touch and go, but eventually, through the help of God, his vital signs improved. He was more alert. He was looking good. They thought, hey, he's finally out of the woods. But a few uh, days after that, Noah had a seizure, which often happens when you have meningitis. And they thought there would be several of them that would happen now. And that there was uh, maybe a potential loss of brain activity. But we continued to pray that something would be possible. And the church continued to pray and believe that anything is possible with God. Noah didn't have a seizure after this. It was unbelievable. It was remarkable. The doctor said this was a miracle. They had never seen anything like that before. And 16 days ago, Noah came home. Because with God, anything's possible. Now, I realize that there are families who go through the exact same thing, who are just as faithful to be with God, and their child dies. And you know what? I can't explain that. I mean, this says all things are possible with God. It doesn't say all things are a guarantee with God. It means it's a possibility. God will do His best to work in. But when Jesus says, for all things are possible with God, He means it. God really does want to do the impossible in your life. And so today, I just want to ask you this question as we close. What is the impossible thing in your life? What's that one thing that you think is impossible? Is it a marriage that looks hopeless? Is it a child that's gone down the wrong path? Is it a parent that has hurt you at some point and you think there's no way that I could ever forgive them? Maybe it is a sickness that limits you. Maybe it's financial debt. Maybe it's a job that you once had and now you find yourself unemployed and you're not so sure that you'll get a job again. Or maybe it's depression or discouragement. Maybe you're sitting here today and you are single and you're lonely and you want a godly relationship so bad, but you're just not sure it's possible. Maybe it's something from your past that you've done. You've carried this thing for a long time and you go, it's impossible for God to forgive me. Or maybe it's a choice that you have to make in your future and you're wondering, you know what? There's no good choice. Anything is just not going to be possible. Friends, I don't know what it is in your life that is impossible, but this is what I do know. God is for you. God's for you. God is for you in the midst of your impossibility. The Bible says this, If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also, along with Him, graciously give us all things? God is for you. He didn't even spare His one and only Son. He said, no, I'll send Him to planet Earth. 
God is for you. He gave up His one and only Son upon the cross for you, for all of your sins to be forgiven, so that you would know you could be accepted and freed and that you belong. If you give yourself into a relationship with Him. I know there are some things that you're facing right now that you think are impossible. But God is for you. He is in your corner. And He promises that He'll never leave you. Jesus said this, Come to Me, all of you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Jesus wants to lighten your load today. He wants you to know that you can come to Him anytime in prayer and that He will listen and that He will listen to the ask, He will answer it, and He will give you rest. Because once you belong to God and you know that He loves you and, he knows, and you know that He wants a relationship with you, then you can begin to believe that anything is possible with God. Friends, Jesus says this today. Everybody's welcome. Nobody's perfect. And anything's possible. Let's stand for closing prayer. And if you would, as I pray this prayer, you might just want to pray this kind of silently uh, in your own head. Let's pray. God, thank You so much that You love me and that You have reminded me today that I belong to You. Jesus, I want to start a relationship with You today. Forgive me of my sins and help me to start a new life with You. I don't know everything, God. But as much as I know today, I want that relationship with You. And God, right now I know there are some people who need to feel deeply Your arms of love around them. And for You to say to them, You belong to Me. You belong to Me. So God, I just pray right now by Your Spirit that You would do that. You just kind of whisper that to their ear. God, thank You for Jesus' signs today that says, everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week. Know that you're loved in this place. If you'd like prayer for anything, Uh, Please feel free to come up. Next week, believe. We'll look forward to seeing you then. Thanks.